You are listening to Believe, Strive, Achieve, Endurance Podcast with Diogo Custodio. If this is your first time listening, then thanks so much for coming. Get ready and enjoy the show. Uh, hi, everybody, and welcome back for another episode of Coaches on the Couch. Uh, my name is Alan Ward, and I am joined today by two of my coaching colleagues from Try Training Harder. Um, uh, first of all, we'll have Diogo, and we'll also have Denise. Hi, everybody. Um, and today we are going to be talking to you about off-season breaks. It's the time of year um, for those to happen for most. But I think one of the first things I would say is it's important to assume it is not the case for everybody. So when you're looking uh, looking through your various um, comparison sites, by that I mean social media, um, you need to be maintain awareness that it might not be the case for everybody. Um, but we will we'll talk around it, and I think the first thing to answer is what is an off-season break, Diego? Well, first of all, uh, let me just reinforce what you said before. Um, on my, my group of athletes, I have a, a huge amount of people where their off-season is summertime, it's not winter time, mostly because their summertime, the temperatures can go to 50-ish degrees Celsius and for that reason maybe some of them are not even able to train properly um, but I would say that uh, the, the off season is a break from the normal training routine that you have during the season so when you have done all the major events of your season it's time for you to cool down a little bit in some athletes it's time for you to stop for a little bit but all depends on the, the athletes that, uh, that we have um, and it's also time for us to do some stuff that we were not able to do during the season, mostly because of uh, working commitments, training commitments, racing commitments. But I think it's a period for you to clear your mind, clear your body, and set up for next season. Ah, that's, uh, we've done the podcast there, Denise. There's uh, nothing left <laughs> for us to say. That's a very succinct answer. From Diego, Denise, do you think you could summarize and give me a one sentence definition of what an off season break is? Oh, that's tough. Um, I think in one sentence, I'd probably say it's your opportunity to just step back, relax, and refocus um, and, and just wind down a little bit from the intensity that you've got during training phase okay so what i've taken from that is it's an opportunity an opportunity to do yes. what something different from what you normally do essentially i think most athletes get really focused on I've got to complete this this week. I've got to do my training this week. My nutrition has to look like this. I need to be organized. I need to get my time organized. We're all of us quite time condensed. And this is an opportunity to step back from that, relax a little bit, not have everything controlled and managed and take that break and your foot off the pedal a little bit. Okay. Diego? You can call it like a reset of the system mm -hmm. maybe? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think, I mean, it is an opportunity to reflect and think about what you've done this year and what you might want to do next year. But I'd warn against doing that too much because I think it's a chance to really take your mind off training completely and think about something else. And that reflection is either going to happen, in my mind, right at the beginning of the break, but then stop and, and take a proper break or reflect at the end before you start to think about what you're going to do next. But if you spend the whole time thinking about what went well or what went badly, then I'd say that's not really a proper break. Diego, anything to add? Don't know if you um, No, I agree with Denise. Um, I think this is a very good period for you also to to make your um, how can I say this to to look back, see what went well what you can do better for next season and then with time plan it for for it um yeah i think uh the the benefit we have and what i see a lot of the time is the temporal aspect so 
and that's the the perspective of a coach is to look at things through the lens of an annual training plan um but sometimes for athletes at this point in time they they focus on the day-to-day and there's not that bigger picture so within an annual training plan what what do you think um uh, end of season break contributes how does how does it fit within that kind of overall picture that's um that's a good question actually because it's a more more quiet period of the season it's also a good time for you to to talk with your athletes and to analyze not just the results of the races, because we have seen before that that's not maybe not the most important in terms of overall results on the, yeah. the season, but what the athlete learned during that season, even the coach, what they learned during that season, and what they can take in terms of positive to bring for the next one and to make things even better for the following season. Um, yeah. What do you think, Denise? Yeah, I'm kind of thinking it's a, it's chance to reflect and, and think about what what did you enjoy as much as anything else. So if you think about that year or that nine ten months that you've been training for, not only what went well, but when did you think that was great? I really enjoyed that. That was fun. What race was the one that you really got a lot out of? And and that's a way of really understanding what works well for you. And what you enjoy. I mean, none of us are doing this, or very few of us are doing this for for money. Um, we generally do the training because it's something that we do other than our work. And if you're not getting a lot out of that, then reflect on what will help you get more out of that and enjoy it as much. If you're spending time away from loved ones, you're spending time focused on other things. Um, then what you might want to do with that time, you know, you've got to make sure you get the most out of that time and that you enjoy it. That's, I think, is is part of the reflection. Yes, what went well and what would you do differently? But where is your heart and where is your passion? So if I was to say that you had to have an end of season break, so, for example, you've got a, a key race at the end of July, this is your big race of the year, and I told you that you had to take an end of season break in June, why would that why would that be a problem if your race is in july and you're asking for someone to have a break yeah. in june in terms of uh, of mindset that would not be the best time for it because the focus is on the race it's not on the the break yeah. but but why what pro- what practical problems is it going to put into place Isn't it, you're not. But if you're trying to, if you're trying to focus on a race at the end of July, you want to be as ready for that race and as fit as you can. Taking a break a month before is probably not going to help you with your physical preparation. Yeah. yeah. The reason, the reason for that kind of question is to, is to say, if not now, then when? You know, because you have a lot of athletes who who don't sort of want to take a break, but. You could, you know, a way to approach this kind of debate about an off-season break is to say, well, are you able to maintain uh, focus, discipline, training, application forever? The obvious answer to that is no. Then the next question is, so how long do you think you can maintain that for? Diogo, like personally, what is the answer to that question for you? How many, how, like months or weeks, whatever unit you want to put it in? But you can maintain the the best in terms of shape no, and uh, physical and activity. application with training to consistently focus on it and get it done. Well, that would depend on the athlete. I would say that yeah. for me, I think I can maintain. At least 10 months, 11 months. Denise, same question. I would put it in 9 to 10 months. All right, and then the the same question to both of you again, Denise. So what breadth 
of that have you seen with athletes or just peers or people you know would you say everybody is 10 months or what's the what's the window no it definitely varies um some people and it there's all sorts of factors in there some people can maybe do it for six months um i have seen athletes and i know people i train with who try not to take a break and their view of taking a break in the winter is that they'll do a different type of race but they'll still keep that going. Personally, I think what you see is a deterioration in performance and a deterioration in motivation when people try to keep it going. Diego, what do you reckon the bandwidth you've seen is? Well, in terms of performance, I would say the the age groupers, the the medium to top age groupers, they think like that. I cannot have a rest. I need to to focus and train all the time. Yeah, I feel that. And the thing is, it's not just all about training. It's also all about the rest yeah. that you can have. Not just between sessions, but also on the season. I kind of look at the year, um, and I look at it as, you know, progression and regression that we talk about. So you work for three weeks to improve performance and then take an easier week. This is almost like a macro version of that. So you do that all through the year. You work, 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 slightly easier week, work, work, work. You need a period of the year where you then say, I've, I've been through that program, whatever it is, nine months, 10 months, 11 months, I need to take a major step back, a major regression. And you won't regress that much, but it's a big step yeah. down. It's, it's something that, that really sense. varies, hence my question. I think for me, the answer that I would give is, I've seen some athletes who can't focus for a whole training session, let alone a week of training sessions. But I've also... and. It kind of gets a, a bit of a laugh, that one, but it's totally true. It's 100% true. Um, but I've seen people who can go for, you know, two or three years, and they're, they're pretty disciplined, pretty focused. Obviously, there are fluctuations to that focus, but the trend, the general trend of application and consistency is, is strong throughout. And I think it's something that develops within athletes and it varies within athletes. And that's really important to to get this across like early on in this conversation is that some athletes need longer breaks than others. And it's not because they work harder or they work less hard. It's, I think it's just who they are. Like I personally have a different answer to both of you is much more nuanced than I can stay focused for this long. You know, I, I can train all the time, like nonstop all the time. I, but the difference is it's it's kind of just exercise. It's, you know, if if I have a, personally, I have a maximum capacity for training focus of 100%. For throughout the year, I can maintain 60 or 70% of that nonstop all the time, no problem. But if you ask me to go above 90, 95%, there's a finite time that I can hold that that amount of focus for. And so, and that's what Denise, you were sort of describing with that progression and regression. So some people need to step back uh, and some people need to be a bit further in. It depends on where you're at and your athletic experience. I think it changes with experience and it changes with confidence. Um. And as you as you're developing as an athlete, that's gonna it's gonna massively change. I think um, the longer I spend in the sport, and certainly the more experienced athletes, they're able to be more relaxed for larger portions of the year. They're still training and they're still getting stuff done, but then you know, much like differences in physical effort. So in a training session, like when you first start to run, you can just jog along and that's your one pace. And then after a while, you can go easy and hard and you can go easy, moderate, hard, easy, tempo, threshold, hard. I think that as you develop as an athlete, these things change as well. So trying to be aware of what works well for you can be important. And that perspective can really help. That's that's kind of how I see it. Would you guys agree with that, or do you think? I do agree with that. Yeah. Um, it's funny that you say that. Now I can remember a few athletes with who I work yeah. with, where once you get to summertime, their season is over. 
they cannot maintain the focus after two months of summertime, just impossible. Yeah. Um, and all usually those athletes are the younger ones where summer is quite important for them to, you know, step back and get some rest. However, so there are some mothers where when their level is so high that summertime is time for them to train and train hard. Um, so yeah, that's interesting. And the age groupers, when you have the family vacations, well, it's quite hard for you to balance the, the break with the race that you have usually in September. It's hard to balance mm. all of that. And how can you explain to someone that you are, it's okay for you to go on vacations, but you still have something to do until the end yeah, of the summer. Yeah, so on that, Denise, what, what impact on that kind of theory, if you like, how, what impact do you think goal setting and what those goals are would have on that kind of dynamic? I think I think you need to consider so many different things when you're setting your goals. I mean, absolutely, what events do you want to do? What type of events do you want to do? But you need to think as well about what other influences there are in your life. So to go back to that example, if you've got a really important race in, in September, but you have a young family and you know that you're going to spend nearly all of August on holiday with the kids, maybe an event in July might make more sense than an event in September. So thinking about those other things, those other influences and what works for you, I think is, is part of it. One of the things that um, happened in COVID time was a lot of races have been moving around uh, in time in the, during the year. And that was a struggle I had in terms of planning. So one of the races was meant to be in May, then they go to September. However, the vacations were already planned with the family, and it's hard, not just for the athletes, but also for us as coaches to try to balance everything with that and try to find the, the line between performance and uh, family time. It's, it's not easy at all. I, th I think there's almost like a degree of mindset. Like I say, that 100% fo like focus sounds that's just complete cliche nonsense. I nearly chose a different word then, but anyway, um, the um, you having that real application, I think, is is like a is a unit that athletes would be really well served to be aware of. So the like obviously, if you want to go to the Olympic Games, the demand on that unit is a lot harder. But if you're if you want to just complete your first race, the demand on that unit is obviously much less. But that is somewhat tempered by the relative experience of athletes. So, you know, if you're quite an experienced athlete doing an event that is well within your comfort zone, then you can be quite relaxed. But that same athlete when doing an event that is the their first time, then it's going to demand a, a greater amount of that unit. I think it's important to to have that perspective and the relative importance of other things that you've got going on as well. But I think like the big thing for me with an off-season break is a rest, a reduction in the demand on that unit. And that's going to be different for different people. Like some people just need to dial that back to zero and they just forget at training peaks, they forget the coach, they forget everything. And other people, you need to somehow um, change change that kind of dynamic and change it. But so, you you mentioned something I was going to ask you about, Alan. You you talked about the difference between training and exercise. Yeah. Expand on that a little bit. So training is something you you do um, in an organised manner, and you do the things that you don't necessarily enjoy doing. Whereas exercise is generally for enjoyment and well-being, um, and that's it really. I said exercise; you don't have to do the things you don't want to do. That's it. That's that's did that the delineation for me between the two. So one of them you suffer, the other one you have just pleasure. No, it's not suffering. It's <laughs> like you 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 just you just do it. Like I heard a brilliant or read a brilliant thing. I kind of somewhere somewhere on the internet or something. In the last couple of weeks, I've used it a lot. Training's like brushing your teeth. You just get you know you get up every day and you just do it. There's no there's no sort of question of not doing or doing it. You just do it. Like don't get me wrong. 
That's don't get me wrong, there are ends of that spectrum. People could take that to extremes and make silly points with it. Obviously, if you haven't brushed your teeth for ages, then you kind of need to do it. And if you if you brush your teeth for so long that your gums are bleeding, then you should probably stop. Um, but yet, with you know, within a framework, then it's just like brushing your teeth. You just get up and get it done. And over the longer term, it serves you well. But you still need to do other things in and around it to take care of that. And one of those things is taking a break. Uh, I think if you want to continue that analogy, taking an end of season break is like going to see the dentist. It gives you a sense of perspective on things, whether or not you're doing a good job or doing a bad job. It gives you time for reflection, as Denise was saying earlier. I think the biggest thing is it is it allows you processing time. It's something that most people in our modern world have got a lack of processing time. They've always got a phone in their face. They've always got headphones in their ears. They've always got a screen in front of them. There's not a lot of silent time to just let things flow over you and to digest and to process. And I think that's the biggest thing that taking a break from training does. That doesn't necessarily for some people mean taking a break from exercise, but it means taking a break from training. And for me, the biggest factor in that is not the physical aspect for most age groupers, it's the psychological aspect. It's reducing that level of application, that discipline that is required to train. And as I said, it might fluctuate throughout the course of a calendar year. And people will take breaks at different times for different reasons. You know, people might finish their racing season in September. Other people are racing later on October. Those who are out in Portugal uh, racing the 7.3 and the Ironman out there, for example, were quite late compared to everybody else. Or even the Portuguese calendar is just finished last yeah. weekend. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in order to explore that a bit more, Within the variations of athletes who are sort of taking a break at the moment, how many different types of excuse me of athlete do you think we can sort of name? You have those who really like to stop uh, exercising and training. Okay, so that's one. Those who are just like they just that's drop fun. it like it's hot. Yeah, exactly. Then you have those who like to exercise, but nothing related to triathlon. The golfers. Yeah. Exactly. And then you have those ones who are crazy enough to keep doing everything with the fear that their shape, their form is not going to yeah, go back. Yeah, so I think that's really important is to, to state that as fear or also insecurity or inexperience. Yeah. It, yes. uh, some of them are very experienced, but they still are afraid that something is not going to go back to how it was before. If I don't swim for two weeks, then I'm going to drown next time I get in the water. That's also that's also yeah. a difference between training and exercise. For me, is not taking a break. Part of training is being disciplined and resting and taking a break at times. It's important to take a break for physical reasons. For, but for me, it's more interesting to talk about the, the mental aspect of it. Like athletes who mm -hmm. say exactly what you just said there, Denise, oh, it'll be hard when I go back. Deal with it. Like, of course it's going to be hard. But that doesn't, mean, that doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. Just like doing other things in training that aren't enjoyable or aren't necessarily good is, you know, I don't like doing drills in my running because it's boring. I just want to go for a run and see the scenery. Well, that's lovely. You can do the scenery on one of your runs. That's cool. I get that because we don't want to spoil it completely, especially from an age group point of view. But so in, in a way for some people, taking, a, taking an end of season break actually requires the maximum amount of their discipline. So... Some of them don't even know how to kill their time. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it is, it is really challenging. So, you know, you know, I say about this, this increase in terms of your application, that 100%. There's definitely some athletes that I work with where it requires 100% of their application to not do anything. It's really hard. And therefore, like some, with some athletes, I actually take the, uh, I approach it such that it's a challenge. 
your goal this week is to rest. If you can, and I even go into bargaining, I'd be like, if you can do this, right? I've had one athlete this year, and I'm sure he won't mind me giving this specific example, but I said, well, if you can take a week off, I will plan into your training before Christmas a hundred hundreds in the swimming pool. I've never seen such application to rest in my life. <laughs> but are you sure that that? Athlete is resting or just not uploading stuff well, on If we've right, got yeah. no honesty, integrity, we're left with nothing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> He's just turned Strava off for a week. He said it was a he. <laughs> she. That's why I said that athlete, I don't know who that person is and I don't want to know. But it's not. But I think that's going to be a very nice thing. Uncom- it's yeah. not uncommon. And so, like, that's why I think it's important to talk about these different types and different levels, different experience levels. Like, you know, if you're a relatively new athlete who only has a limited amount of time to train and you're, you know, you're doing sprint distance, you've done your first triathlon this year, um, you're doing, you know, three to six hours a week of, of training on average. Um, and you're, you know, you're on a steady incline and you, you want to do some more sprint distances next year, but you're only just really sort of working out the technicality of swimming and running you know, is, is an end, is a break necessary? Maybe not. Maybe just carrying on, you know, because the, it's not actually taking up. It's all relative to obviously from someone's perspective, it might seem like a lot of time, but from other people's perspective, it's not. So it's important to look at those different things, but like, as I say, there's different challenges for a coach and different challenges for an athlete when it comes to taking an end of season break. Um, so one of those ones that you mentioned, well, before I move on, is there any more different types or scenarios that we can think of to sort of talk through? These are the ones I remembered. Um, I have an outfit right now. Um, he went on vacations for two weeks almost. And during that period, he didn't do anything because it was impossible for him. And when he came back, he still had two more races to do, sprint races. And the goal for those ones was just to have fun, actually. Mostly because there was not plenty of training for that. It was not a specific goal. And now we are in the off-season. And what we are doing now, or what he's doing now, is doing stuff that he loves to do. But it can be triathlon related to like mountain biking. This guy loves mountain biking and I give him loads of that because he has some very good fun on that. Yeah. So exercising is a bit of training, technical training, but something that this guy loves to do and he doesn't have the time to do it during the season. Fun, fun the is an interesting point. Another example I can think of is an athlete who's had a big end of season race, but they've, they've also got races planned in October, November and December which is quite common for a lot of people because they enjoy it and that's part of, that's part, part of why they do the sport, which is really important to remember. But often in that scenario, I'll get asked, oh, you know, but I'm not sure I'll perform at those races. So I was like, well, it's okay to do them and not perform. That's a novel thought for a lot of people. Like, you know, you can go and do a cross-country race. As long as you've done, you know, a week or two of getting your mobility and your function back, you know, you, you need to do a little bit of thing just to be sensible and not get injured. But can you go and run 40 minutes hard in the mud after two weeks of doing training? Well, of course you can. For most people, that's doable. Will you perform at your best? No. Does that matter? Absolutely not. If you like getting muddy and sliding around with everybody else, well, knock yourself out. But as long as you're okay with it, not necessarily being your best that's okay so how how you come back into training can be interesting as well um i think that raises a really important point around mindset you know a lot of people's mindset is if i'm going to enter a race then i have to give it 120 percent, and i've got to be you know at my best at all times but that um, yeah that raises a whole question and a whole other question which is what is the point of racing I'll quickly answer it. For some people, it's about achieving an outcome. For other people, it's just about the pure joy of competition and seeing what they can get out of themselves. Um, okay, but move, going back onto topic, 
Diogo, you mentioned those athletes sometimes who potentially find it difficult with what to do with their time. Do you have any suggestions? Yeah. I would say that um, if you have family, spend some time with them. They will appreciate that. That's one of them. The other is to try to watch some Netflix that you haven't watched during the season. (laughs) (laughs) There's some really nice uh, um, series that you can watch. But um, try to do something different, something fun that you re- really enjoy to do and that you don't usually have the time to do during the you season. You can actually compile a list. Um, can, this is, as, you, as you go through the year, you, yeah. could, you know, oh, sorry, for me, I haven't watched the new Top Gun film yet. Definitely on my list. You should. It's a very nice movie, by yeah. the way. Other, other movies are available. Uh, Denise, Denise yeah. do you have any <laughs> other uh, recommendations? Um, yeah, I would say particularly if you struggle to switch off and struggle to not train, um, plan something in advance. So have a holiday booked or plan to meet some friends that you haven't seen for ages or plan a weekend away or or something that is going to take you out of the environment where you're going to think, oh, I could get up at six in the morning and jump on the bike for an hour. You know, it's it's try and get yourselves into a different kind of routine for that I period. Recommend. I mean, one of the other things you'll really notice is there'll be a lot less washing. Yeah. Well, that, that could be true because I was, I was, I, sl- I somewhat injected there. Sorry, but I was going to say I highly recommend farming in Butte for a different environment and taking your taking your mind off things. But I can't <laughs> say that that honestly leads to less washing. Um, uh, well, so yeah, just doing like different sports. I had a lady recently who played badminton and tennis and squash and other things. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And went to do went to do stuff with her child as well, and you know I think yeah, and I think for most people, somebody in your life is giving up something for you to have that amount of time training and focusing on what you do. So it's a chance to pay back a little bit and find out what your significant other or kids or parents or whatever would like you to do uh, in that time when you're not focusing on yeah, yourself. Yeah, that's just I. I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think there are a lot of people where that's not the case as well. That's generally the answer that's given. Of course, there are some people where that's true. But I think that most people make a choice. They don't give up. They make a choice. Well, you make a choice, yeah. But your partner doesn't necessarily make a choice. They that might you're going to do. Get up they early might, do. They might love them being outside, getting out of the air, go and do that. <laughs> I know that it's great for you to go on the turbo trainer and, you know, do what you need to do. It's okay. Like, it's okay to do that. You know, like it's okay to not be okay. It's also okay to be a triathlete. It's also okay to exercise. It's also okay to be dedicated to something and be passionate about something. That is okay. So for all those people who are like that, good for you. That's okay too. You don't necessarily need to feel bad, although some people obviously should heed that advice. No, I wasn't implying that it's... No, no, no. I I know you're not, but I... I, Devil's advocate, I'd love to stick up for the other end of the spectrum as well. Um, the other thing that I think is really important with this kind of period is to practice being uncomfortable for those people who find it challenging it makes you uncomfortable that reminds me an analogy, sorry Alan that um, we can do with the kids nowadays when they are bored what parents usually do they give them their phones or iPads or something for them to entertain Mm -hmm. I remember when I was younger my entertainment was to be drawing on the table of something or just wait because you have to wait because that's part of life. You need to learn how to wait and uh, deal with it. And I never athletes... used to tell my mother I was bored. If I told my mother I was bored, she'd have me cleaning something. See? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think we can make the same analogy with athletes. Um, practice the uncomfortable, as you said. Yeah, I think... You don't have to be entertained all the time. You don't need to be improving all the time either. Yeah. Um, yeah. As you said before, Alan, having that time to reflect and just not be busy, busy, busy is is it's good for you physically, mentally, emotionally. Yeah, just to let everything come down. So like physically as well, just to to let your body settle and stop going, you know, come out of fight or flight mode. 
and just calm, calm your whole body down a little bit physically. Um, I was going to say one of the biggest things to for me, and I, I think for a lot of athletes that I've worked with as well from COVID, is is a sense of confidence during this period. You know, certain. I can think of one distinct conversation I've had in the last two weeks where an athlete, you know, un sort of provoked, if you like, just said to me, oh, one of the best things about having COVID, so actually having COVID, was that it forced me to take a rest for two or three weeks because the athlete was quite ill. But but then they quit. They managed to, you know, reason. They then they're not terrible. They're not a terrible athlete for that. All of a sudden, they still managed to to return to to fitness and perform well at races this year. But now at this time of year, that's paid dividends. But it, the the fact that that break had to be physically forced upon them. I mean, it's the it's the uh, the equivalent of a coach basically pinning them down, tying them up, and saying you can't train for two weeks. But I'd like I'd like to to think that that athlete in question has gained confidence in their ability from having a rest, which seems completely counterproductive. To be more confident in your physical ability by doing nothing. But it's it's true, I think, for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think for those athletes who find it difficult to take a rest, that's a, a really good way to look at it is that it's a challenge. More often than not with things that are mentally challenging, just trying to reframe or rephrase them works wonders. Um, so that's my top off-season tip. What other top off-season tips might you guys have? I think mine already said all of it, to be honest with you. Um... There is not much more we can we can say about it. Every, of course, every individual yeah. is different, and it's our job as coaches to understand what are their needs and how to how they they deal with uh, with, the, with the off season um, okay. with themselves. Um, but as I said, I have a few athletes who appreciate a lot a few days or a few weeks off of training, and some others who just enjoy doing act physical activity, exercising, not training, and some others who just are afraid of uh, stopping, but as you said, it's practicing comfortable. Um, but usually my advice is take this time to, to have some more fun and do stuff that you were not able to do during the, the okay. year. So, Denise, moving slightly forward, can you have too much off-season? Well, technically, yes. I mean, if you if your off season stretched from I've I've stopped at the end of September and I didn't get going again until next September, that might be too much off season. So, what limits would you place? Oh gosh, I think it's like everything else. It it depends. I mean, it depends on the athlete. It depends on if somebody's still desperate to train. I'd say you're probably not had a proper race uh, a rest. So you you need okay. to. To take a little okay, more time. So how, how would you, um, maybe in terms of trying to define the period succinctly, how how could an athlete know when they're ready to go back to training? Good question. I think it's difficult because I think you just kind of know when you, you you kind of get that sense of. I want to get back in the water. I want to get back on the bike, but I'm not feeling I have to. Do you understand? It's not that, it's not that terrible drive. I'm really paranoid that if I don't get on the bike tomorrow, something awful is going to happen. But it's more, I just want to go get on the bike. I just want to go for a run. I want to get things a little more focused and a little more structured and, and get my plan together for my next race without that massive sense of urgency yeah yeah big time i think for like from a from like a setting training point of view from the other side of the fence if you like i tend to um i tend to just leave a a recommended sort of two-week gap of nothing for for most people sometimes it's different sometimes it's more sometimes it's less but i'll always put in a, a week or two of unstructured 
optional training. And if athletes don't put anything for those two weeks, then they're not ready. That's a real simple point of view for me. Like you could, you know, you could look at data and say, well, this is enough of a drop off in your like general sort of training stress loads and numbers if they're accurately counted. Um, but I think um, desire is probably the, um, the key word that I would use if you if you feel you want to get back into it and you you're feeling you're feeling up for it. Mm-hmm. But if you're starting to get energized again by the thought of what race have I planned and how can I get ready for it, I think that's a that that little flash of yeah, let's let's get going. I would define that. Sorry, guys. Don't you you think that also comes with the experience of the athlete itself? Explain. So I would say that those are who are more experienced athletes. They know when it's time to go back in the game. While some others, when they are just new in the sport, they have, I would say, no idea when it's time to go back. Yeah. Um. I would say those who are who have more experience, more years of sports, they know when their body is ready to start over. While those who are just beginners, they because they never did that before, they have no idea what is normal to feel in that period of the year. But, but examples can be injuries as well. You know, if you're recover, if you're recovering yes. from something, you you may need to to go for a reprogramming stage as well where you know if you've got a particular compensatory problem for example like your you know your right glute won't work no matter how much you try and fire it up it's just not doing anything because you've had some sort of injury you know like collarbone broken bones etc you know it's kind of an obvious point at which to start up again um so those all those examples exist as well um i think sometimes just when your diary allows or when you get back from holiday, just when, when it's practical can be how to work out when to answer it. When you don't have any significant barriers in in the way, so you might have like a, you might be able to return for a week of training, but then you've got like two weeks where you're going away and you're not going to be able to train. You've got a conference, you know, that lasts for a few days or whatever. It's kind of like a practical point where you're going to be able to build up some momentum. I think that can be useful, um, and obviously there is a there is a deadline, as Denise says, like September to September doesn't work. So, within a reasonable period before your race is a good point, which to start again. Um, are there any errors that people make with these kind of breaks? Common mistakes. Ah. Uh. I don't know if we can call it, if I can call it a mistake, but what is too much is too much, not just with rest, but all. Some people take this period of time to eat a lot of what they shouldn't eat um, in terms of, I would say, crappy food, kind of, um, which is not healthy at all. So an off-season doesn't mean that you can just go out and be healthy all the all time. Um, but mostly those habits who are more kind of, um, how do you say it, um, who are not allowed to, to have a, a sugary, uh, high calorie and fat uh, diet during the season, those are the ones who are just going to try to eat everything they can in front of them through that period. Maybe, maybe not. But I feel like, you know, some people different definitions for people with regards to that kind of thing. But I think, yeah, definitely if, if that's an area an athlete needs to improve, then actually then if training goes, that's a particular challenge because that's obviously a lot of calorie burn. If you have a relatively sedentary lifestyle, you know, if you're at a desk job and you, you go to doing nothing, then actually the, your calorie intake should drop down along with that. But taking your calorie intake the other way, you know, you can step back and never particularly make year on year progress. And it's actually, you know, 
in terms of running a calorie deficit, if it's some you know body composition is something you need to change, this time of year when the pressure and training load is low is actually the best time of year because it's not going to have an impact on your training, and you might be able to make a year-on-year -year step, depending on many other factors. But it's something to consider. Any other pitfalls or common mistakes? I think one of the mistakes after like like coming back from a rest is expecting to go back into the same level of exercise at the same capability so if you've taken say three four weeks off and you expect to go and run and cycle and swim at the same pace as you stopped at the end of your season then that's a little bit of a recipe for disaster both physically and mentally you need to realize that that break has, has reset you but you're also not going to be quite as fast or not going to be able to train at the same intensity straight yeah. away. I think that's really important for coaches and athletes to recognise that by tweaking zones. Like, mm -hmm. you know, one of the pitfalls of most technology, like training peaks, is one of the things it definitely does not do. It does not tell you when you're getting less fit. It kind of does in the charts and graphs a little bit, but it doesn't tell you that your FTP has gone down. So, you know, if you have an end-of-season break for eight weeks and you don't get on your bike once, I think most people would agree that your FTP has gone down over that period of time. But training peaks will not change it for you. So one of the mistakes, I would say, is not changing your, your sort of performance levels, training zones, when you go back in. Like, yes, there's the perspective, but you also need to change what appears on your watch because boy is it depressing to to do your first session you know you've done a week of mobility activation you've done a good bit of stretching you've slept well you kind of just done all that informal training and kind of unstructured training should I say and you've got going it again you got you're going to hit that first turbo session there's a bit of efforts you got three lots of five minutes at 280 watts and all you can do is hit 250 well that's a kick in the teeth isn't it Whereas if somebody changes zones and you should be aiming for 240 and you do 250, well, that's a jolly nice way to start, isn't it? Because you're already 10 watts to the good. Um, and if you can keep those little bits of positive feedback going through your year, you'll probably do all right. So I think that's really important. I think also that kind of leads me into the point that I was going to say is a pitfall is, is going off too hard. As we said earlier, there's a pacing to the season. You don't need to use all those units of application, discipline and focus in the first week of training. It's a long road to the next race and starting off steady in your mindset and everything else, I think is really important. Um, and kind of like going back to my first point is those, those comparison sites. You're going to see what lots of other people are doing, but you don't know how much of a break they've had. You don't know all the different sort of models or types of athletes that we spoke about. You don't know what their environment's like. Um, you don't know how much they, they normally train. You don't know what their job's like. You don't know what their home environment's like. All you can see is they're doing a five-hour ride and you're not. But you never know. They might be doing Ironman Western Australia in December, I think it is. So damn right they're doing a five-hour ride. So... I think one of the best things to do to avoid that is to try and take a year-on-year -year comparison to the only person that matters. Any ideas who that is, guys? Themselves. Yourself. yourself yeah. So just only compare to yourself and you'll probably do quite well. It's okay to have a role model, but when it comes to making comparisons when you get back to training, just look at you 12 months ago and think, am I a little step ahead? Because if you can stay a little step ahead, all the way back to race day, you know, in, in the coming season, you'll probably do better than you did last year. And just a, a reset period of this kind of off-season break can can really help bump that into action. Um, so that's kind of my uh, final thought, if you like. Would you guys like to add anything to that or any other thoughts that you have? I think my my main thought would be make the most of the time that you've got while you're not training and you've got time to do other things. It's easy to fret about it 
during the break and then realize that it's gone by and you haven't really made the most of it. So really make the most of that time and get ready for next year. That sounds like staying present and making the most of today to me, which is always good. Diogo? I agree with both of you. Um, I actually like this this period of the season, um, not just because it represent, represents the the end of a of a cycle and the start of a new cycle, um, but also because you can look back, um, analyze everything, and see where you were, where you are at the moment, and then where you can start from. But also, it's a very exciting period because that's when you plan the next season yeah so hopefully you can hopefully you can finish your break with a sense of opportunity yeah okay well i think that's about it from all of us on an off-season break i hope everybody is enjoying theirs or has enjoyed theirs or will be enjoying theirs or whenever you're listening to this to this episode of coaches on the couch I hope it will provide useful next time you come to have a break. There's obviously, you know, a lot of the things that we've spoken about today can also and equally apply to a mid-season break, which is certainly a thing as well. As I said earlier, peaks and troughs to your your application to training. So it's a good thing to think about. And an off-season break is just the the peak of that um, or a low point of that focus. Um, thanks for listening today um, and that brings to a close another Coaches on the Couch Thank you Thank you The Believe Strive Achieve podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment and show notes are found at trytrainingharder.com Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favourite RSS feed or iTunes you can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Try Training Harder. Thanks for listening.